and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. I love that we like as like as beat writers. I I, need, I should go back and look at my my record as beat right and you know cuz I had the I had the I had some my my Bulls teams were pretty good. They were like, you know, around 500. And then Portland has mostly been pretty good for most of the time because like they were always, you know, with Dame, they were like in the playoffs. The last two seasons probably completely tanked my record. I'll actually have to go through and and uh and look at that. Uh it's it's going to like the other, the other, the thing that's interesting, and I was actually just talking about this like a week ago with uh, Rasan Gathers, who is now the Blazers' head of PR, was with the Kings for a, a long time in that same role. But we were talking about kind of like his time in SAC and just kind of how crazy it's gonna, it is that they're gonna, they, they are where they are now. They're gonna make the playoffs. And something he pointed out that I had not ever thought of, but I guess is probably true in retrospect, and I'm sure you can speak to this too. In all those years that the Kings missed the playoffs every year. They never tanked. There was never a year where they went into the season saying, hey, we know we're not going to be good. We're going to go in and try to get a top draft pick. They were always trying to be good. They were always trying to be competitive. They were always signing good players and spending money on the roster. And they were just so dysfunctional or the talent wasn't there or guys got hurt or whatever that they just were never able to make it happen. Yeah, it's funny. I talked to Harrison Barnes yesterday and he said it's... It's not like we've been bad the whole time. Like we haven't had talent. He's right. like, we've had talent the whole time. That's probably the most disappointing thing about the streak and how it's continued and continued. There's even points where, I, in all honesty, the Kings didn't tank, and they did better in the lottery than they should have. And I feel like it was rewards for not tanking. This is 2018. Well, it's it's both. Like so, 2017. When they traded Cousins and those guys, like they didn't just give in, they they kept playing, and they um, that's a year they were at number eleven uh, win, and and but they were like right there, they were so close to the playoffs. Maybe they're twelfth, um, and when they traded Cousins and and did all the other roster work because it was a lot. I mean, they it was a bloodbath within like a couple of days. Half the roster was gone, um, but uh, but that season. They kept trying to win down the stretch, like to show that that Cousins wasn't the end all be all, and they would be okay. They, they didn't do what Portland is doing now. Exactly, exactly. So what happened that year, though, is that years before they had traded Omri Caspi and a lottery protected first round pick to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers for JJ Hickson, and mm-hmm. that pick had never been conveyed, so it was sitting there. So that pick eventually had been traded to the Chicago Bulls and the Bulls were going to get that first round pick, right? So it was like that year, number I 11 well. or 12. Yes. So we get all the way down the wire. They, they dump cousins. They fall apart down the end of the season and they finish eighth and got to keep the pick. And it became, I think one or two seconds. That's what the Bulls ended up getting that pick, which was, I think it was number eight. It jumps up to number three 
But then we have the weird pick swap from when uh, Vlade traded Jason Thompson, Nick Stauskas, and someone else to um, to Philadelphia to dump thirty two million bucks in salary. So it it went all the way down to uh, all the way up to three, and then fell back to five in the pick swap, which is where they drafted De'Aaron Fox. Right. So yeah, and if you want to like the how many near misses this franchise has had, they also they got the tenth pick in uh, along with Buddy Hield for Demarcus Cousins, the tenth pick. If they would have just sat there and drafted Donovan Mitchell or Bam Adebayo, they were both sitting on the board. They would have been just perfectly fine, but they traded it for fifteen and twenty. Even if you go to fifteen and twenty, if they would have drafted John Collins at fifteen instead of Justin Jackson, if they would have drafted OG Ananobi instead of Harry Giles at number twenty. Like this thing could have gone a different way so many different times, and it just never did. And Neil that, Olshay just it. had to go move up to get Zach Collins. He had to have him. Had to have him. Had yeah, to have him. as opposed to again, he could have done the same thing. He could have had a John Collins who was nineteen and OG Ananobi, which I think was twenty three, in that draft. Or like Bam. those guys were sitting there. Yeah, yeah. Bam well, was like the 13th or 14th pick in that draft. Well, that since he moved up to 10, yeah, he could have had any one. But he had all the same options the Kings had yes. because he had 15 and 20, and he traded them for 10, and he could have drafted Bam or Donovan Mitchell, whatever he wanted at that point, and you know, really found a star-level player. And then you know you get the, the second pick in 2018 and don't take Luka. And yeah, the, the second Bagley pick in 2018. Like, and again, the Kings didn't tank. They were super young the previous year. So that's a year where they roll out. Um, they had drafted three first-round picks in 2016 and then traded for Buddy Heald. Uh, and so then on top of that, in the 2017 draft, they had Fox, they had Justin Jackson, they had uh, Harry Giles. They also drafted Frank Mason in the early second. So they went all like Blue Bloods. And then they also brought over Bogdan Bogdanovich that year. So they had five rookies to go with four from the previous year and had nine first and second year players on the roster, which was crazy. Like if, uh, that's what Dave Yeager, like that was his second year. And then it was his third year where he turned things around and, and they won 39 games. And then I was up in Portland with you, the final game of the season where they had 40 games staring him in the face. <laughs> and uh and scored like 84 in the first half and then and then six blazers uh played in total including scalabissier and uh anthony simons and caleb swanigan and they beat the kings yeah r.i.p uh, caleb swanigan who was you know passed back and forth between the kings and the blazers blazers um mm. lots of that over the years lots of uh yeah. players getting passed back and forth between the kings and the blazers that uh that that last game of that season was so funny because that was and i mean terry stotts insisted there's i mean they're obviously lying but he insisted that they were just resting dame and cj and all their guys and they were trying to game the lottery odds and what was funny about that was the team they were trying to avoid by only playing six guys and only playing their rookies simons basically hadn't played the whole year outside of garbage time that was the first time the whole season that he got actual real minutes and he went off for like 40. I think he had like 37 or 40 or something like that in that game. The team that the Blazers were doing that to do the standings manipulation thing to avoid 
was Oklahoma City, who had swept them in the season series that season. And then they end up, because Oklahoma, I forget what Oklahoma City did that day, but the standings ended up shaking out because, like, you know, basically, like, the Kings were still playing their guys because I think Dave Yeager probably knew that he was going to get fired the next day. But, because I remember you and I were talking about this at that time, but, like, the Kings played all their guys, and they got up by, like, 30 at at halftime. And then at halftime, Yeager pulled all his guys and started only playing his, you know, end-of-bench guys. And then Portland came back and won the game and accidentally ended up setting up the Oklahoma City matchup, which then set up the definitive moment of Dame's career with that shot to end the series. So accidentally, the Kings, Dave Yeager being petty and and pulling all his guys, ended up setting up that moment. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. <laughs> like like living through all of those things, and I'll also tell you, like Dave had a good understanding that he was not going to be there the next day. Right. So and, and like and his staff as well. Like it was it like that night was really really strange to cover. Um, I got a phone call. I was sitting in uh, having breakfast at the hotel I was at in Portland, like confirming that. Jaeger had been let go, that uh, they cleaned house with their media relations staff, that all the Jaeger staff had been let go. Um, like, that was a really weird, spiteful season. And uh, that's where we had the whole Brandon Williams, uh, Dave Jaeger battle the whole season and, like, all kinds of chaos behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, like, I've, I've seen uh, some really, really ugly, bloody seasons where things just go really bad and the chaos seeps in, and it's just one thing after another. So, yeah. I, so again, let's talk I, about I'm glad actually, to make it. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you expect the Kings to be able to do in the playoffs, because they're going to make the playoffs. But they also, like, I've been saying this for a couple weeks. If you look at the West, there's no Kevin Durant Warriors. There's no, you know, all the teams, even like some of the teams earlier in the season that were, you know, like like Memphis, obviously, like they might end up with the two seed, but like that, you know, they have their own issues with, you know, all, all kinds of stuff there. Denver, like Denver's probably the best team in the West, but like their defense, you know, there's still questions about. Phoenix, we don't, like Phoenix probably has the highest upside of anybody, but we don't know if like Durant and, and all, you know, their guys are going to be healthy. I feel like there is a world in which Phoenix or in which Sacramento makes the Western Conference Finals. Like I can see yeah. that existing. Uh, you know, like people have like pitched that they, you know, I, I'll, I'll just say this: like, I think the Kings can do all kinds of things in the playoffs. Uh, like first and foremost, I think they can lose in six games or lose in five games and in round one. I think they can get bounced. This is a team that has no experience at all. Like Kevin Herter played in the playoffs last year, and the rest of the rotation, people are oh Harrison Barnes, you know Grizzled Vet, he he. Uh, you know, played for the Warriors and it won a ring. And, you know, Matthew Delavadova, like, like, man, Harrison Barnes was in the playoffs seven years ago. Like, that's the last time he's in the playoffs. And, like, Matthew Delavadova played in the ABL last year in, in Australia. Like, these are not guys who, like, have this long history of being in the playoffs and leading teams, like, that's this team has zero experience so that can be a good thing it can also be a bad thing and so what i keep telling kings fans is this like i've covered this team forever this is the first good season it's the first positive season in in it more than a decade and a half just enjoy the ride 
just just embrace whatever happens. You got built-in excuses if they get bounced in the first round. Their offense is epically good. Like it's the greatest like offensive rated team of all time. They have like a 118.9 offensive rating. They're an absolute joy to watch on the offensive end. But what we're seeing late in the season is teams throwing different looks and mucking up their offense. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm here for it. That's where I'm at. Like, it would be great to say that this team could go to the Western Conference Finals. Um, that's fine. Like, I think they could. But I also think that they could get wiped out in the first round to a Golden State Warriors team that, you know, has been sandbagging all season long and could be much better than we think come playoff time. And who, like, literally every single player on their roster, well, all of their core group, has more playoff experience than the entire Sacramento Kings roster combined. That's that's really tough to go into a playoff series and, and know what you're going to do. And, like, it's the little things, right? So the Kings don't even get nationally televised games. They've right. got two nationally televised, one official TNT game this year. And if you're uh, if you watch a team that's in the playoffs all the time, who, who's good, who's on television all the time, who's on national television, you understand that, like, the veteran teams know that the timeouts can be anywhere from a minute and a half to two and a half minutes longer, right? So you have the veteran teams hanging out, sitting on the bench, having a little bit extra water, relaxing, chit-chatting. And then you look out and the young teams are standing on the court, like milling around with all this nervous energy. Well, the Kings are, are going to face that. They're, they're going to face things like just the little small things that you don't think about about just how long the game is, about how everything feels like it's drawn out. And, you know, we'll even look at the game that they lost against Minnesota last night. Um, like, they came into that night knowing that they had an opportunity to, like, quench the thirst of, of like, tens of thousands of Kings fans. And they felt it. And then you get into the first quarter, and Kings fans haven't been here for so long that a minute into the game, the whole place goes silent. Like, they didn't know what to do. And the feeling on the floor everywhere was like, oh, no, this isn't good. You know, the the PA guys are trying to click in, like, the, you know, the, the drum beat, boom, boom, you know, right. so someone go defense. You know, they're trying to manufacture something because the place went dead silent, and it was just eerie. And these are things that the Kings are learning every single step of the way this season. That's what I've enjoyed this season is that they continue to get better. They work harder than any team that I've ever seen. They practice more. Uh, they're so in tune with each other. They work tirelessly. They're and, and they're taking baby steps the whole way. But Mike Brown hasn't stopped with like, hey, we just want to get to the playoffs. Hey, let's just break the streak and all this stuff. They keep pushing on who and what they can be. And to me, it's re been really cool to watch because he has grown this team two or three standard seasons in one and the fact that this team barely got together like this is a first year of malik monk of kevin herter of um uh keegan murray right but then also you look at the rotation davion mitchell was a rookie last year sabonis came over at the deadline and played like 15 games him and fox only played like 14 games together trey lyles came over these are like the rotation guys five of them six of them haven't been together at all and 
they've pulled this thing together and like been an offensive juggernaut. And so I don't know how this whole thing has worked out, but like Mike Brown's insistence that they keep pushing the envelope on who they can be is really intriguing to watch. And even like the win against the Knicks, he just lambasted his team, just unloaded on them after the win. And it was a huge win. I mean, the, the Kings came out. Everyone said, oh, after the All-Star break, this is when the real basketball starts. I said it. They went 11-2 and two to start. They just ran everybody over, and that's why they're in the two seed. Uh, so, like, these, all of these steps, though, I think it's really cool to watch because I think Mike Brown has actually set them up to be really good and really solid next season as well. I'm glad you brought up Mike Brown because when you talk about guys on the team basically not having any playoffs experience— the coach that they have, I mean, he was in Cleveland for all those years with LeBron, and those teams were, like, going to conference finals and stuff every year. And then he was with Steve Kerr in Golden State for a long time, and those teams were making deep playoff runs every year. So at the very least, they have a coach that has been there before and can tell guys kind of what to expect and kind of try to prepare them for whatever he needs to prepare them for. I wonder if that's going to actually play into it at all. 